Welcome back, America. How are we doing this week? As you can see, we are in a different environment. Totally different. And uh, that's because we are on vacation. But we'd never take a vacation from work, so you can see we've set this up remotely to make sure that the show keeps on going. How are you doing, babe? I'm doing good. I'm having such a good time. I know. It's been fantastic coming out here. I've been enjoying this so much. But unfortunately, it seems like the rest of the world is in topsy-turvy shape. Hope you guys don't mind the background noise, but we are in nature so <laughs> we're literally on a halfway farm yeah pretty much i would say it's a full-on farm we just don't have a lot of animals just uh, some chickens and dogs and things running around and there's a small highway there so there may be a car too that go by but hey this is a makeshift rig we're not in the studio is what it is it'll be okay <laughs> oh darling you know why don't we uh go through our topics of the week let's do it so we are a conquered people Oof, that's ominous but we'll explain and extrapolate Afghanistan. There are no adults in the room. And Scott and Zynga's relationship status. Uh-oh. Very important stuff to discuss today. So um, what do I mean by this? We are a conquered people. You and I have been discussing this all week long. Yeah. And we've come to some pretty interesting conclusions. And I think the Afghanistan debacle is just another symptom of a much larger problem in America. I agree. 100%. Uh, you know, there's this sort of meme that rolls around in the... Uh, sort of hardcore right-wing patriot community, this uh, idea of, you know, our ancestors would have been stacking bodies by now. <laughs> well, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, they were they were basically, the Revolutionary War was started on the preconception that the French and uh, American War, you know, the I'm sorry, the, uh, the war with the Indians and the French and the English, right? Right, right. You know, where we had to use Indians as actual army to bolster our forces, fighting against the French over territory in the colonies. Well, that got really expensive for Britain. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, they needed to get that money back and colonists didn't want to have to fund the entire expedition, the whole, you know, war mm -hmm. effort that they spent millions of pounds on. They didn't have it. Yep. And so Britain decided to start taxing the living crap out of us. And uh, we didn't like that. So this turned into a big back and forth for the longest time, which mm -hmm. led to the dissolution of the uh, assembly, the general assembly in Boston, mm -hmm. which led to soldiers being forded up in people's homes mm -hmm. well and then you know the shot heard around the world and all that sort of stuff you don't have to go into an entire history on the what led up to the revolutionary war you can look it up on youtube which is really good you should go to hillsdale college and look that issue yeah up. there's it's good stuff i mean there's a million different videos on this stuff some mm -hmm. that are really succinct but that's a fantastic one that gets really good nuance yeah. and detail mm -hmm. but why do i bring this up well, the founding of our nation was blood and fire in a way. It was. And it was a result of people getting really sick of the way the old world used to run things. Mm -hmm. This sort of tyrannical, down from above, you have no say, we're just going to tax you and make you pay for things that you don't want to pay for. Right. You're not going to have a representation in our Congress. You're not going to have a, any kind of say in the matter. So what does that have to do with us being conquered now? Well, we've experienced a slow authoritarian creep since all of this began. Every year with every new administration, we have more and more impositions on our freedom, more and more executive control, more and more agencies that are unaccountable, mm -hmm. and more and more ways for them to clamp down on us and us have no recourse in fighting back. Mm -hmm. Everybody likes to think, you know, oh, we'll just sue them or, right. oh, you can hash it out in court. How often does that really 
matter? How often does that really rule in the case of the defendant? Oh, court costs a lot. Yeah. How many people can actually afford that? Yeah. Right. Every, if you have to weigh and measure the cost of court and legal fees in order to you know stand up to the federal government over some major overreach that they shouldn't have been doing in the first place, I think your heart's in the wrong place. Yeah. The idea was is that we were supposed to have recourse so that it didn't dissolve to war. Right. But now that they've slowly taken away the recourse, now that our ancestors would have been rolling in their graves over so many of the things that we consider normal. That's what I mean by authoritarian creed. Mm -hmm. I mean, the number of impositions, the incredibly high rate of taxes, the fact that we even have an income tax that never went away, even though they said it would. Right. I mean, there's people that bitch and moan about this kind of stuff like I do because they're history buffs and they whine and moan and every single generation, you know, people will be say, oh, you know, what about Afghanistan or what about the way Clinton handled this? And these people in the background like me are smugly going like, we still have an income tax. I'm still mad about that. And everyone's like, oh, shut up. <laughs> you know, but <laughs> listen, listen, that guy has a point. All right. Because you guys have allowed these things to happen and to creep up on you. You've become a conquered people. What's that thing you always say? It's a, it's a phrase you always say, we've ceded too much ground. We've ceded and too I much think, territory. I think that's what you're kind of getting. Oh, ceded too much territory. Mm -hmm. I think that's what you're kind of getting at. It's like we've just we've we've allowed too much to happen. And we have these T-shirts that say we're stacking bodies or the, our, our uh, forefathers would be stacking bodies mm -hmm. right now. And the reason why we say that is because, for one, they went to war for much less than Way what less. our country is going through right, right now. I and mean, we have we have so many. I mean, of course, we have Afghanistan, which we're going to talk about later. But we've got so many things that are that are happening to American citizens right now that if the founding fathers were here right now, there would be a war, an all-out bloody war with our government, 100%. Yeah. A governor's mansion in Massachusetts was burned down, and he was thrown out into the street and got his butt kicked by a bunch of Americans just because he happened to be sympathetic to the British right. when they were arguing about the tea tax, right? We now allow Antifa and communist members in our schools to teach our children openly. Yep, I was going to say, it's not like they're hiding it. <laughs> putting Antifa flags on the walls, pictures of Mao Zedong, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and we actually have statutes on the books that say you cannot teach communism in schools, period. And they, in they every get, state they in get the away country. with it. Right. Mm -hmm. And this stuff is now just like considered normal. We now have multiple genders. You think any of our forefathers wouldn't have torn their wigs off and screamed heresy and started ripping people out of out of out of buildings for that? Right. Yeah. Like we are a conquered people. We have we have devolved and gone so far from what we originally were meant to be that at this point, people are arguing over what I consider to be already conquered territory. Yep. We've uh, we've given up too much of our, our morality. I think that's for me where the line should be drawn. I mean, they went over war over taxes and whatnot, mm -hmm. <laughs> the Revolutionary War, and and we're here, and and uh, you know, you have a new nephew, and she, yeah. you're, we were talking about all these things going on with Afghanistan with your parents mm. in front of the new mommy, and she's like, "Oh my God, baby." <laughs> <laughs> clutching she, him to her breast. She's like, don't ever leave this area. She's clutching him and he's laying on her asleep. And she's like, what kind of world am I, is, is my child going to live in? And I was like, you know what? I've, I've thought the same thing a bunch of times. Do I even want to have kids in, in this world? I don't mm. know. Like, you know, a part of our like conservative Christian beliefs is that, you know, you have kids, you have a family, you do the traditional thing. On the other hand, you're like, I know I should be fruitful and multiply. But into this, <laughs> you know, I, I get a lot of detractors and people who are willing to play devil's advocate with me and good. Mm -hmm. It keeps me sharp. The, one of the one of the best ways that I've found to win this argument when it comes to this idea that we are conquered people and they're like, oh, you're exaggerating. There's what, what are you talking about? There's no British redcoats or lobster backs living in your house. Um, you don't have 
you don't have people pointing guns at you and telling you what to say on your podcast. And so what I tell people is, is okay, go start a business. Mm -hmm. Just go start a small business and then come back to me in six months and tell me what you think. Mm -hmm. Because what people will realize is, and I've done this, is that you, this incredibly corrupt combination of local and federal agencies that you didn't elect, that you aren't even aware of, that have control over everything, right. will be coming out of the woodwork to fleece you and to make you do all these arbitrary restrictions that make no sense mm-hmm. and will cost you thousands of dollars. And if you don't do them, they'll take you to jail or they'll take your business away or fine you into the ground. If you um, need to get stuff like basic things, then you're going to have to license it and everything's going to have to be licensed. You can't even cut hair without a license. Like right. that's important. Right. I mean, it's it's absurd and it's so discouraging that a lot of people just never even bother to try. Also, I would argue that they are in our house. They're teaching our kids. Our, our kids are coming back mm-hmm. being like, you know, dad, my name is no longer Scott Jr. My name is Marissa. Right. You know what I mean? And they, we're supposed to affirm that. They're throwing it down our throat. Sorry. Right. Yeah, they're throwing it down our throats on Netflix. We can't turn on the TV without it. They're in our house. Yeah. The, the red coats, quote unquote, are in our house. So Yeah, and they're just in there in a way that you don't realize. Like mm-hmm. the enemy's not stupid. You know, the people who want the world to change, the people who want your country to be something else, and there are so far m- more of them and they have so much more power than you realize and they've been at it for so long fanatically and myopically that I think most people re- like get into this state of equilibrium with their own life is going somewhat okay and they're comfortable that they just kind of stop looking and they stop watching but the enemy never stops mm-hmm. right these these people who want your kids to become sexualized the people that are yep trying to extend the power of the executive branch of government to make it unaccountable to the american people and to even other branches of government yep you know these things are not happening by accident and the people who are involved in this kind of stuff make it their mission in life they do to gain that kind of power and to have some kind of an effect on the culture Mm -hmm. depending on where they choose to to put you know to field their weapons and force their hands so this is all stuff that i think that i didn't become concerned about until affected me directly Mm -hmm. and i think that that's the same problem that's going to have to be with most people but I think Afghanistan is embarrassing our government on yep. such a nat- on such a major scale that even the enemy is having to kind of pipe down for a little bit because they just look too vulnerable, right? Right. When uh, you say the enemy, you mean I mean the left. Yeah. I mean I mean communists. I mean mm-hmm. um, authoritarians. Mm-hmm. I mean Democrats. Sorry. I mean um, most liberals who aren't paying attention are starting to kind of slip into that camp because weak Republicans, maybe weak rhinos, absolutely, who actually know better. Yeah. And I know what's going on and they still vote for Democrats or they still support their policies or they mm-hmm. still attempt to be bipartisan when everything's gone this far. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, those are enemies. Yep. They're ideological enemies in the purest sense because the things that they want are not only immoral, but they're actually against what our forefathers set up this government to be. Right. And that's what I mean by we're a conquered people is I just what I just said would be incendiary to most people. Right. Yeah. And they're going to be like offended and pissed off and like, oh, this is too much. The fact that they're offended and pissed off and act like this is too much is proof we are a conquered people. Anybody, regardless of their political leanings, if they consider themselves true Americans and want freedom, should be on board with this. They should recognize historically that how far things have creeped and how far things have changed is unacceptable. Mm. Now, whether or not you want to get up and like go try to shoot up a post office about it is an entirely different question. Don't do that. But what people need to understand is, is that things have gone way too far and the tricorn hat musket moment has already passed a thousand times. Right. There were a thousand opportunities for us to rise up in bloody revolution the way our forefathers would have. And we haven't. Well, 
if I can, that's, I think the, the reason why we're, we've got an Afghanistan you know, situation right now and no one is taking responsibility for it is, is because we've passed up these tricorn hat moments so many times yeah. that they're like, what, what, what are you going to do about it? Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, a lot of people will ask me the question then, well, what, I mean, besides going out on a suicide mission with an AR-15 and trying to take some homemade explosives like that weird dude in D.C. recently, <laughs> which a lot of people think was a false flag. Sorry. The livestock in the background is going ham. I'm a city gal, They're, and this nature is kicking. <laughs> the uh, guinea hens are going ham in the background. They're having their own tricorn hat moment. Okay. Anyway, um, I don't know, it might be like a fox or something going at them. Don't come over here, fox. <laughs> but the the as she was saying, the, mm -hmm. the point is, is that these moments have come and gone, and we have demonstrated that we're willing to roll over on our back and show our belly every single time. Yep. So people ask me, well, well then what do you, what would you do? Have us do right besides becoming like people who can't fly because we're on a government watch list, making angry gestures on the internet that nobody cares about, and basically pissing in the wind. You can do what our forefathers would have done first, right? In the Revolutionary War, they tried desperately to avoid war, yep. but they kind of knew it was coming. And so what they did was, is they took every step, made petitions, they sent ambassadors, they tried to get onto these um, parliamentary proceedings to get themselves included, to get representation. They tried to beg them, plead with them, say, look, like, stop trying to force this down our throats. We don't want to pay it. You've got to give us better options here. Mm -hmm. And every single time it was like, nope, 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 nope. And so once it reached that point, everybody was like, well, we've kind of had it. And the people had had it and people started acting up and they started throwing tea off of boats and, you know, throwing, tarring and feathering um, British representatives. Mm -hmm. You know, in order to avoid things escalating to that level, we have to take those parliamentary steps, I would call them. We need to start showing up to school board meetings and piss and you know getting pissed off. And and it's it's interesting because that step has kind of halfway been taken with the a little uh, taken bit with the yeah. school board, but we haven't mobilized or um, I guess uh, organized mm -mm. Is, is what I'm saying. And I'm uh, we sound like we're crazy, but um, <laughs> we're I'm not saying that we should go for war right now. I'm saying that we should take your step and try to appeal to the people who who are in those positions mm -hmm. because obviously like people like the the argument that i hear at the time with from conservative is it conservatives is this is why we vote this is why we show up to the polls this is why we got to get every republican that is registered in this county out there to vote for the republican <laughs> and it's like well that makes sense in numbers but that's not working that hasn't been working like and then with the last election Okay, I'm just gonna leave it right there. Election results okay. still be determined. Okay, I'm just gonna leave it right there. Like, it's it it's been hard. So I'm just saying, it. I think we have to take more steps, and we have to brainstorm and think of more ways that we can do things. And I think this has to be one of the ways. I mean, I think the founding fathers. I mean, most revolutions, at least that I can think of. I'm not a history buff, uh, or I'm not a history um, uh, nerd, but most revolutions that I can think of have ended up where the country that got its independence is now like a crappy country. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, they, they're like, we have our independence from the British. We're a third world country. Booyah. You know, like we're the only ones, that, <laughs> we're the only ones that are like, yeah, we got our independence and now we are a superpower in the, in, right. the, in the few generations. Like it took a second, but it took us a, only a few generations. And then we were, we were a superpower. So 
um, I think that we should follow that model, as you're saying. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's a very it's a series of practical steps. And, you know, what's nice to see is that people are starting to push back on certain things, uh, especially moral issues like CRT in schools or like trans issues or like mask mandates. These have been real hot button topics. And a lot of school boards and like administrations and city councils and stuff have, have been have been feeling the heat from concerned citizens like us who have been actually taking the time to get in there Mm -hmm. and chew these people out and present evidence and show them that their positions are idiotic and anti-science. And some places as a result have had to back down. Some bad actors have been revealed. Some council members have been like voted out and some have been dismissed. And it's shed a light on a series of people who, again, are in that unelected I'll verify, I'll qualify that in a moment. Unelected positions of authority where they have too much control over the day-to-day happenings of your life and you just realize you don't even, you don't even realize until recently who they were. Mm-hmm. Um, I recently went to a meeting with a bunch of folks who were like-minded like me who were expressing similar concerns about these kinds of issues and how we can take action appropriately and legally against them in revolving, you know, mask mandates, CRT, impositions on business, et cetera, et cetera. And um, I asked everybody by a show of hands, hey, how many of you know who your city council members are? No hands. Um, how many of you know who your school admins are? No hands. How many of you ever actually have gone and voted for a magistrate specifically because you knew what their platform was? No hands. You would never get that kind of response from a series of activist leftists. They always know. They know too much. And if they don't know, somebody in the crowd knows them all and has a nice little approved list and tells them who to vote for and who to agitate for. We cannot be the side that doesn't care anymore. We can't be the apathetic side. Time for seeding territory is done. It's time to get off our lazy hind parts and actually get involved the way the left always is. At the very least, we have to match their intensity. Ideally, we have to exceed it. So I think our friend Omar is watching. He's from Venezuela. Omar and then another Venezuelan friend of ours that we had on the show who we need to get on the show again, Jonathan Uzgadegui. Mm-hmm. They're, they're both Venezuelan, so they come from this country where uh, they, they've seen their, their beloved country destroyed mm-hmm. by communism. And one of the things that uh, both of them say is that um, every conservative needs to be a full-time activist. Now, the thing about conservative is conservatives is that either we're lazy or we're also like starting families, homeschooling, starting businesses, working going to school we're doing things like what our country was built for you know what i'm like, saying do we have the time yeah. yeah we don't have the time to be activists but to a certain degree there needs to be one person in every household that is an activist if scotty's working all the time zinga might need to be the activist and over dinner i need to inform him of all the ish that the democrats in our county are doing and yeah. he'll be like thank you darling and i'll be like now mosey on over there and buy me some new shoes yeah i mean i kind of i kind of hurt my dad's feelings in the car the other day when all four of us were in the truck and we were driving to downtown and i was basically ranting about how not enough um, conservatives were involved and how the left always seemed to have a huge apparatus mobilized for every little thing right they do yeah like oh you want you want latinos to push for funding for afghani lgbt refugees and that's like yeah we already have an we already have a charity set up for that we already have five hundred thousand dollars it's like what like that's how mobilized and effective they are and I was ranting about all this and my dad said, well, hold on, you know, like, it's not that we aren't, it's not that we're lazy. It's just that a lot of like leftists are unemployed. <laughs> they have nothing but time. <laughs> and here's the thing, folks, maybe he's right, right? Maybe it is just that they have free time and that they, and that their purpose in life is to destroy yours and to change the world and to burn it all down, right? Like the freaking Joker. So what? Make the time. If your enemy's out there and they're burning fields down, what are you going to do? Be like, well, I'm kind of busy building my field. He won't burn mine. Well, when you're in war, you have to sacrifice, right? Yeah. I mean, sooner or later, we're going to have to. And here's another thing, too. This is why I always um, scream and and, and 
exhort about this idea of building our own towers. Right. People like Abdul and Rahim have given us a voice. They've given us a place that we can go behind a paywall where people can come to us and hear these opinions without having to worry about being canceled. Mm -hmm. Right. It's a very small tower, but it's a tower. Mm -hmm. And the funding behind it is decent. Right. I'm not going to go into who funds us or any of that stuff. It's not relevant. The point is, though, is that it exists. And so unless we go out of our way to start building more of this, unless we start building, say, bail bonds funds for people who refuse to put unconstitutional mandates on their employees for um, mask mandates or vaccination status, and we immediately bail them out of jail if they get arrested for it, or if we go to demonstrate on the steps of some Capitol building in some state over some unconstitutional BS and then people get arrested, we should have jail bonds, uh, bail bonds funds for them the same way that Antifa and BLM have for their people. Because here's the thing. They have it. Kamala Harris bailed people out with her own money. Who knows where the money came from, by the way? It's it, But it's probably most likely taxpayer money because she's been a senator for a while. Yeah. She's been a public, uh, a public official for most of her career. So it's probably uh, American citizens money uh, they she has given to make sure that Black Lives Matter protesters and and probably Antifa protesters didn't stay their hind parts in jail we should do the same thing but here's the thing we can counter them and I think we need to come up with our own ideas but we can also counter them but I think at the end of the day if we do that consistently and we we secede no no uh, no more ground right we will win because the truth has always won. Like there's always been mm-hmm. liars and, he, and, and so on and so forth. And the, the liars will win for a period of time. But somewhere along the way, there's always a group of like, like what the Bible will call the remnant. There's always been like a remnant of people that say, I'm not putting up with this crap anymore. And they either build their own ivory towers. They, they sacrifice. They mm-hmm. give up their, their, their jobs or their, their lives. And they, they go and fight the good fight. And I, I saw one person said how, that she'd like to get involved. I think one of the ways is you can go look at your, uh, your your public, you know, your county GOP, your state GOP or something like that. There's also if you don't want to get in the party thing, you, that's not your thing. There's also like conservative and freedom and liberty loving people, uh, organizations all over the country that you can get involved in. And there's always that one like like Republican or conservative mom that's like, give me your number. I'll get you involved. That's how I got involved. That's the only reason why I'm here is because some grandma was like, give me your number. (laughs) Well, you know what pisses me off? And it should piss off every freedom loving American, especially people who pull the lever for Republicans because they think they have the closest thing to our interests in mind Mm -hmm. is if. I went out and I put on a bunch of black and joined a black block somewhere and started screaming fascist this, fascist that. And I started like kicking women in the face and like throwing bricks through police cars, windows, and like, I don't know, burned down some kind of county building. And I got arrested Mm -hmm. and they put me in jail. I'd be out in under 24 hours at probably a reduced bond through like NLG or one of these other things that is set up through like Kamala Harris and all these other Democrat politicians. If I were to do the exact same thing without the violence and without the illegality, let's just say I went somewhere that was real hoity-toity like San Francisco and I don't know, maybe I was open carrying even though it's technically legal to do so and they arrested me for it, there's no Republican politician that's going to pick up the tab. Not one. Not one. Nope. So we have to build our own average towers, ladies, ladies and gentlemen, and look out for each other. Not the idiots of us. The idiots need to be spanked. I think you would agree. Idiots always need to be spanked. Idiots always need to be spanked. And Scott is good at that. (laughs) (laughs) But the people that are right, we should back them up. And I I think we need to make that a thing. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of the, 
either we do the work now in the form of activism, taking the legal methods to fight back by showing up, making our voices heard, by applying pressure, by petitioning, by petitioning our local governments and our local representatives, by actually making those phone calls, actually making those angry emails, actually showing up, actually talking when we can get those 30 seconds of time at like a big GOP convention. Unless you can make the time for that, guess what? You will be in a war. Yep, 100%. It won't, it, you cannot hide. You have to choose a side and you have to put in the work. And if you don't put in the work, the irony will be is that the bloodshed will begin. Yep. Because it will, they will push too far. The left can't help themselves. Yep. They will always try to eat the whole elephant, even if it chokes them to death. Mm -hmm. They just can't help themselves. That's all progressives do is progress, even if it's toward a cliff. They will always push for more and it will eventually reach a point where it's like, absolutely not. Even the, even the, even the people who are supporting them the whole way will be like, whoa, 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 hold on. That's insane. And by then they'll have too much power and then it'll have to be guns blazing. I think we have a good example in uh, what we're going to talk about next, which is Afghanistan. Yep. The reason why it's a good example is because it shows you, first of all, how uh, people who are given too much power, how they react when they do screw up. It, we're going to talk yeah. about maybe I think we're going to hit uh, the how bureaucrats don't know what the hell they are doing. They get we're, we're not I'm not going to go into the points yet. Mm -hmm. They don't know what they're doing. And at the end of the day, at some point, we got to stop and we got to spank these people. Yeah. And when I say spank, I mean, take off your leather belt to their hind parts. Quite literally, some of them probably have never got a, a butt whipping like they should have, this, which is why they're doing what they're doing. And no one is making an apology for it. As a matter of fact, they've got their uh, mainstream media lapdogs on it saying, you know what, actually, I think, you, you know, Scott, I think they did a great job, actually. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, fantastic job. That Joe Biden, let best me tell pull you. Out, best pullout I've ever seen, yeah. except for Hunter Biden. Yeah, yeah. great pullout job there, Biden. That's what they're doing right now. So on to, to Afghanistan. We've got a bunch of points that we want to uh, hit on that because uh, we, we've actually tried to avoid talking about it in the, in the past few uh <laughs> The past few episodes, because we've just been kind of happy, we're going to go on vacation. Everyone's talking about it. I was hoping it would finally end. It hasn't ended. And now that we're kind of on the tail end of it, there's a few points that Scott and I have uh, have recognized, and we kind of want to put it out there to our, audi our audience. First off, we've got a quick little video to play for you to illustrate that the adults are not, in fact, back in charge. In San Francisco. <laughs> First, after so my point is, how do you how do you define what you hear? From I appreciate you being here on New Day. Not everybody landed punches like you did, though. So you don't mean it. <laughs> it's called candidate mixtape that was hip-hop <laughs> cardi b <laughs> okay. <laughs> well you know i would love to play poker with kamala harris because she has the greatest tell for when she's lying she cackles <laughs> Oh, she's got a full house. Mm -hmm. Fold. Listen. This is who's in charge, ladies and gentlemen. Listen, a, a West Coast whore who started herself out as just any other talentless beauty on the West Coast, so many thousands of them, 
who are reasonably eloquent. They look good on camera. They're capable of walking around in a bikini without falling over in their heels. And then they get elevated to positions that they do not deserve. <laughs> that was a specific example. <laughs> well, that's because that's who she is. All right. And so when you have people like this who are given the most powerful positions in the world, and the only thing they're capable of doing is cackling like a hyena when asked a difficult question, you know you've made a massive mistake as a nation and an empire. Well, not even difficult questions. What kind of music did you listen to in college? <laughs> Hip hop. Right. It's because she knows that her next answer is going to be a lie. Mm -hmm. And so she starts cackling because she's never learned how to control that impulse. Right. But listen, one of the things, these cute little narratives among many that the media has always come up with is this idea that the adults are back in charge. You saw this from thousands of Democratic blue checks on mm -hmm. Twitter as soon as the election results came through. Oh, my goodness. I'm so happy. Sam Harris, the famous, you know atheist, scientific-minded guy, the scientific materialist is out there, you know, in advising the world on how to, how to be more intelligent, to look at through things outside the lens of God. And his tweets were, oh, thank God the adults are back in the room. And even he had to go back and say, boy, I'm eating those words. Mm -hmm. This is not an adult administration. This is not adult behavior. And I think instead of just pontificating about this for like five minutes, I'm going to let Jocko Willink explain exactly what the president is and is not in terms of being an adult. Good evening. I wanted to give you an update on the current situation in Afghanistan. As you know, we were set. Uh, we're having a little bit of a technical difficulty. We're going to make sure that these streams are coming through okay. I was going to say, uh, I apologize. We are out in the middle of a farm, but the audio is clear. So if you're, if you're seeing a lag, the audio is just fine. Thanks. All right, so we're having technical difficulties while Z works that out. Essentially, we've got some wise words from Jocko Well. Here we go. Drawdown. I made some critical errors. Namely, I underestimated the strength of the Taliban and I overestimated the strength and capability of the friendly Afghan forces. This was my fault. And due to my mistake, the Taliban has taken control of Afghanistan. There are reports now that ISIS and Al-Qaeda are working alongside them. Unfortunately, there are tens of thousands of Americans on the ground there, as well as friends and allies of America on the ground. Now, these people, Americans and our allies, are all stranded. And that is my fault. But they will not be stranded for long. In the next 48 hours, America will be in control of most major airports in Afghanistan. Any resistance we meet from the Taliban or otherwise when we seize these airports will be destroyed completely and without mercy. From those airports, we will conduct rapid strike rescue missions until we have recovered and evacuated all our citizens, allies, and friends. Any person that interferes with these operations will be killed. So I think you kind of get the idea. It's kind of like uh, what Biden should have said. 
Right. And one of the things that Jocko is known for is his book in this program called Extreme Ownership, where essentially he just describes the idea that everything is your fault. When it comes down to your business success, your 401k's condition, your personal fitness, everything is within your control and you have to get into a mindset like a Navy SEAL that there are no excuses. You don't pass the buck. It's on you. And he being a person who trained Navy SEALs for a long time and actually led them in battle effectively, I would much rather have somebody like him at the helm of this administration than somebody like Biden whose first go-to after pontificating to the American people, I'm going to take responsibility unlike Trump. And the first thing he does when he bungles this in spectacular fashion, resulting in the death of American soldiers, mm -hmm. allies, interpreters, and countless other innocents. Oh, well, Trump, <laughs> ice cream. But then you have a real man like Jocko who can very easily put himself in your shoes and tell you what you should have said. That's how you know there are adult, no adults in the room. Mm -hmm. No, you're right. You're you're 100% right. As a matter of fact, um, he, uh, Biden pretty much said he would be the antithesis of Trump. And one of the things I, I, I keep hearing on different commentary is that um, Trump wanted to pull out of Afghanistan, too. Mm -hmm. Probably obviously not the same way because that's idiotic. But he wanted to pull out of Afghanistan pretty fast. And all of his advisors, he listened to the people around him that had been there, that fought in the war, that knew what they were talking about. And they were like, you know, we can't do like that, sir. And so they didn't. Um, or excuse me, Trump didn't. And so I think uh, it just goes to show you that an adult will listen to wise counsel and 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 plan out whatever they're trying to do accordingly, and take know, action accordingly. And there's and there's people on all sides of this who have been like real like um, experts about the Middle East for decades. You know, military analyst types mm -hmm. and that sort of thing who can nitpick and argue about this, that, and the other. Okay, let's just talk about right now. Right. Let's say you made the decision. We're pulling out. No ifs, ands, or buts. So you leave them. $65 billion worth of military equipment, some state-of-the-art, brand-new uniforms, brand-new artillery equipment, helicopters, countless armored vehicles, munitions, sidearms, assault rifles, artillery pieces, our freaking service dogs, right? Which, by the way, in the Muslim culture, they just kill those, okay? They hate dogs. So, mm, basic, if, if I were, okay, let's, let's, let's step back a second, and I'll calm down for a second. Let's say I was just playing strategy games with an eight-year-old on a computer, like Civilization Four or something. And I said, son, you have to get out of this region because it's just no longer, you just, it's just no good. You need to get off this game board piece and go back to your home base. And you have all this equipment and all these people. How do you do it? The kid would probably say, uh, women and children first. Okay, that's not bad. Good, good, good start. What's step two? Um, can I get all the military equipment out? Can I take all my, can I take all my pieces? No, son, you can't take all your pieces. They're going to have to stay there. Oh, but then the enemy could use them. They sure could. What do you, what do you think will happen next? Well, what if I sabotage them? What if I blow them up? That's what an adult would say. But instead we have the logic of a person who an eight year old playing video games doesn't match. And now you have an enemy that is well supplied in superior fashion to many of our current first world governments in terms of armed munitions and air for air power, artillery power, etc. Uneffing excusable. Take a second while Z talks. Yes, I was going to say take a second because you're making the microphone clip. 
the the thing that bothers me the most about all of this um obviously you know the the people that have been left behind we have glenn beck tim kennedy a lot of other people who have uh taken it upon themselves that have gone out there actually this is a good point i want to play this clip by glenn beck he um he raised what 20 million dollars in a day or something like that uh to go over and get american citizens and, and refugees mind you the american government left a bunch of women and children uh overseas um, at the hands of the taliban but this is a report that glenn beck has said uh, has given uh, like kind of like a, i call it a tell all um probably just a tell a little bit but this is his kind of report after having gone over there a couple of times and attempting to go over there Americans that have been left behind, thousands of Americans. I know because we get the request to help get them out. Um, it, it, and so do all of the people we're working with. We're working with a, a coalition. Um, we just happen to have the access to the airplanes, but there's a lot of people besides us that are getting people out and we're all working together. And the State Department and the White House are the biggest threat on the same scale, I believe, as the Taliban. Um, they, the Taliban won't let you get through the gates, but neither will the State Department. The State Department has canceled uh, our flights over and over and over again. Um, we, we'll have, we, we at one point had seven planes on the tarmac, ready to go, loaded, everything ready. The State Department canceled them. We had planes coming in to land with people on the ground ready to be loaded. The State Department canceled our, our uh, flight um, uh, uh, permission to land. Um, and Glenn, they, did they give you a reason? No, no, uh, no. They've also, I just talked to somebody today in Zimbabwe this morning, about five o'clock this morning. I was on the phone. We're trying to set up uh, other countries because we had countries, including some of our closest allies. And the State Department has called the prime minister or the ambassadors of those countries. This morning I was on the phone with Zimbabwe and the guy who I was speaking to happened to know the uh, prime minister, I think, of um, Albania. And Albania was one that we had set up to take. It's a great place for them to go. What happens? We don't know. We're getting ready to transfer them from one airport to Albania. And our State Department calls the prime minister and says, do not take any of these refugees. Why? Why? That's more. So this is what we're working with right now, folks. The State Department is working against people who are over there begging for their lives and, and wanting to be saved. And then you've got good Samaritans, literally, who are taking it upon themselves to put themselves in danger. Like Tim Kennedy has a family. So does Glenn Beck. I'm sure the pilots and everybody else who's um, on these missions have families back at back here in the U.S. So they're putting their lives in the line where the uh, the government will not. And the government is going ahead of them and saying, don't accept these refugees. Why? Why can we have uh, plane loads of men who are between probably the, the ages of 17 to 40 or something like that? Fighting age males. Fighting age, fighting age males how, that left their family. I've heard several stories 
where men have left their families and said, oh, you know, I think they'll be they'll be better off without me with the Taliban. They leave their families and they've come over here. We don't know who they are. People say that they're being vetted. They're not being vetted. We don't know who they are. As a matter of fact, I think we know that one of them is a rapist. So we're leaving American citizens behind. The American government is going ahead saying, don't allow these American citizens to come into your country. And they have plane loads of people, thousands of people that just want to be safe. And and that that makes no I mean can you think of a good reason I can't think of a no. good reason as to why we would do that it, it's not in the best interest of our country nothing that has been done as far as this Afghanistan fiasco is concerned has been for the benefit of America so who in the devil is it benefiting well I'll tell you who it's not benefiting um, I wanted to read off the names and the ranks and ages of the US soldiers that were killed in the Kabul airport raid a couple of nights ago and I'm not doing this just to piss off the left or to try to gin up sympathy and to use this as a political cudgel. These people did something heroic regardless of the incompetence and the evil of the administration that ordered them to do so. These were people that were fighting for America, not Joe Biden, mm -hmm. not for a bunch of leftists. These were young, idealistic, enthusiastic individuals that gave the ultimate sacrifice on the field of battle for a country that they actually believed in and wanted to help. And so I think it's only appropriate that we take a few seconds to give them their names and their ranks and their ages and a quick moment of silence. And I will begin with Corporal Riley McCollum, 20 years old. Corporal Jared M. Schmitz, 20. Corporal David L. Espinoza, 20. Corporal Kareem M. Nikoi, 20. Corporal Dylan R. Marola, 20. Naval Physician Maxton W. Silviak, 22. Corporal Hunter Lopez, 22. Corporal Deegan William Tyler Page, 23. Corporal Humberto A. Sanchez, 22. Sergeant Joanny Rosario Pichardo, 25. Sergeant Nicole L. Gee, 23. Army Chief of Staff Ryan Noss, 23 and Marine Corps Sergeant Taylor Hoover, 31. I know this is a bit cliche, and it's not something you're supposed to do on a podcast, but I am going to give them a quick moment of silence. <clears throat> Thank you for your service, all of you. Anyway, <clears throat> one of the reasons that this is emotional for me isn't so much that I get this way over every time soldiers die, although I do feel a little bit of something. It's because like one mother who angrily confronted Joe Biden said, it was largely for nothing. This was pure, unfettered evil and incompetence. Now, how can I say that? Well, because the manner in which it was done demonstrates that, again, there are adult, no adults in the room. And when you mess with matters of war, you better have a damn adult. And that's why I like people like Jocko, because that's an adult. That's someone who understands battle, who's dedicated their life to it, taking responsibility, making good decisions. When you have somebody like Joe Biden and cackling Kamala at the helm and the kind of people that would willingly follow and support them, well, you become a name on a list on an obscure podcast and you get a quick moment of silence.
chew on that. Another thing that we can uh, think about is the before and after. So before uh, we put a man named Ghani in charge uh, as the president of Afghanistan, um, one of the things that, that really pissed me off is uh, he he's an, an American. He's he's I think he's Afghani, but he's uh, is, is it Afghani? I believe so. Afghani. Uh, but he's he's American. I mean, he went to school at Columbia. He, he uh, worked at Johns Hopkins. He's not he's not a, a, um, a local is, is what I'm trying to say. Um, I mean, his kids even live in D.C. and Brooklyn. Um, but this man, uh, as soon as he heard that that Biden was uh, pulling out, he he got the step in. I mean, he and he took millions of dollars with him. I, I think they still don't know where this man is. Um, so they thought, oh, he would stay for a little bit and then we would have like a peaceful, peaceful transition to someone else who would temporarily take his place and blah, blah, blah. We'll give him back to the states. Homeboy left uh, his CIA handlers. Could, they were like, ah, we don't know where he is. The Pentagon didn't know where he is. Now, um, in addition, side note to that, these are the same people, um, are the authorities, these are the same people who could find, you know, Mima that went into the Capitol on January 6th, by the way. Um, <laughs> uh, but they, it, this is a, that's a Tucker Carlson. They got Carlson. Mima on drone. They were watching Mima. Right. This is, this is a Tucker Carlson point. I can't take credit for that because I thought it was a good point, but, uh, they can find Mima. And they can find, you know, people who who happen to go live on Facebook and just took pictures at, in Nancy Pelosi's office. But they can't find this man that they put in charge of an entire country. Uh, this man left. And when he left, he not only just left his post, he left all of these missionaries, Americans, um, men and women who who helped our, our army and our military um, navigate that land. And so this has been jacked up from the very beginning on the. In, in addition to that, I would like to add that they they chose someone like them. So this man, Ghani, was uh, his his son worked for Pete Buttigieg uh, during his presidential campaign. Um, you know, I didn't know that. Yeah. So like the these folks are in the same like Ghani was in the same circle as your Millie, as your Jake Sullivan, who, first of all, I look like I can beat up and he's supposed to be like an advisor on national security. Hmm. Um, so, you know what I'm saying? Like. The, these people are all in the same circle. And Scott and I were talking about this over our breakfast cigars this morning. And it's just like they they don't get jobs based on merit. So these folks, they, yeah. they turn 18 or 17, they go to college and they're like, oh, I don't have to actually learn anything. I don't have to be an expert at anything. I don't have to be good at anything. I can just schmooze with the right person and rub elbows and date the right person's daughter or son. Right. And when I'm 30, I'll get that job. And all of these people, there's no way. There is no way on God's green earth in heaven or in hell that they got a, these jobs because they are experts. They got these jobs because they know someone. And the thing is, is these jobs were not created for people who need a job. These these jobs are not created for you to have a friend. You're not an ambassador because you know so-and-so. Mm. You, you're not the, the president of a country that we're... Uh, that we've um, we're, we're we're trying to secure because we're we want to make sure home back home is secure. Like you don't get a job, you shouldn't get a job based on that, and that's how DC works. Like these people get jobs based on who they know, and that is why everything sucks, and that is why there's no adult in the room. They don't like if you were president right now so for some reason, right? You'd be like, I think I need a Jocko Willink to be my a national security advisor. I think I need him to be one of my generals. You wouldn't go hire your homeboy. You know what I mean? You wouldn't make General me. General Milley. Yeah, like, uh, you know what? I, I'll make my new, my, you know, my uh, my brother 
he'll be in charge of national security. Like that's not how you work. That's not how you do things. So this whole thing has just been um, the, the whole national, our whole nation security. It seems has been handled like people are playing monopoly and can just kind of take risk. And oh, it's just paper money. It's just fake monopoly right. money. Instead, is and and we just name off all these folks as people's lives. Not to mention the Christians. I've seen videos of Christians getting their heads blown off mm-hmm. in the back of the head. We already know what they're doing to to little girls. We know what they're doing to little boys. These these Talibaners. Uh, we we know what they do to goats. We know what they're going to do to dogs. We know all of these things. And they're just like, well, you know, we we actually did a good job. I'd say I think we should pat each other on the back. What do you say, uh, Bob? And that's what they're doing. And this is something that is reiterates my point at the beginning of the show. Only a conquered people would watch all of this with dispassionate disinterest. Only a conquered people would say, well, what do you expect me to do about these outrages? Only a conquered people would hear those names listed off in reverence for their sacrifice and feel nothing mm-hmm. and take no action. Right. Only a conquered people would allow this to persist. Mm-hmm. But what I find is interesting is that all of this was so horribly bungled by even the most partisan leftist perspective. Yeah, they screwed the pooch. That even CNN was giving critiques on Joe Biden, which I found fascinating. And what's also interesting is that because I spend so much time watching social media to kind of capture the zeitgeist of the natural, you know, the conversation, the left got real ominously quiet. Oh, yeah. And they have been for almost a week. I would say too. Now, usually they chirp and they troll and they harass and squawk squawk constantly (laughs) because part of what makes them successful is the bombardment, right? The nonstop screaming in your ear. But when Joe Biden effed up Afghanistan, it was like crickets online. And and even, even the, even the, whereas the left became like a hashtag, like why is like the crickets and like things like that, because they literally weren't saying anything. Even the real out there, angry, vociferous speakers like Stephen King, for instance, were kind of giving like maybe one mealy mouth post and then just kind of faded off into the bushes like Homer Simpson. They know what he did was wrong. And they know that there's no defense for it, which is why you're seeing a little bit of crappy mealy mouth things like, well, I mean, we were always going to pay a price for pulling out of Afghanistan. It's just poor Joe that has to pay it. Weak justification. Weak. And they know it too. But what it's revealing is that the left can't speak unless they have orders from on high. Whether it's your neighbor who just loves to follow the leftist leftist uh, narrative to tweak your nipples because he knows you're right wing and it scores him points on social media. Or whether it's somebody who's actually like an Antifa type who's really in the fight and really wants to see communism resurge in the United States or whether it's just the most ardent liberal activist who really just wants, you know, Democrat forever. All of them are silent because there is no unified message coming down from on high. There's just chaos. And so even the media, which gets its talking points from the government, is unable to come up with a cohesive message, which is why nobody's squawking. And it's fascinating to watch. It's fascinating for me. I mean, it's one of those kinds of things, again, a nerd would appreciate, but if you really understand that the battle, the communications battle 
is an ebb and flow of opinions and hashtags and nonstop discourse and argument and threats back and forth, to see one side go absolutely silent for the most part for almost four days is really creepy. I think it's been longer than that. Yeah. And I think it's, I think it also demonstrates a lot about their character. Yeah. And I think the fact that they're unable to accept responsibility or to call out their own when they make a huge mistake Mm -hmm. says a lot about who they are as people. Yeah. I think so too. I think so. I don't know. This is, this is a hot mess. It's, it's kind of making me debate whether or not I want to have children in this world. Uh, and then another, and then the second thought I have is, you know what? I, ha- I should have children that will kick left his bootay. <laughs> they would have to be. They have no choice. <laughs> well, <clears throat> as you can see, I'm getting a little emotional because of the subject matter. And I've been trying to keep it together for Z's sake. That's making my mic clip. Right. I'm sorry. <laughs> but we do have some really, really good news. And we wanted to spend the rest of the show discussing... Um, our current relationship status. So if you have like questions or comments or whatever, do it. And then maybe if it's clean, we'll put it on the screen. (laughs) If it's clean, folks. If it's not clean, sorry. (laughs) Can't be any dirtier than something I would say, okay? No, that's not a good... That's not a good good bar? (laughs) That's not a good standard. It can't be that. It has to be... It has to be cleaner than I would say on the show, all right? That's the arbitrary standard we're giving you. Thank (laughs) you. So you want to give them the news, boo-boo? Well, um, I have for almost two years now been in love with the woman sitting next to me. Um, We met on Hinge and... A dating app. A dating app. For you old people. (laughs) And she she liked my profile two weeks after I made it. Um, We started talking and that turned into texting and that turned into audio texting and then that turned into our first physical date. And I knew the moment I saw her, I know it's a cliche, but the moment I saw her on that date, that that was it. That everything else was a formality, that I had found my soulmate. And I waited a really long time to get my life together, to be the kind of person that I thought she deserved, to get my money together, to get myself together spiritually and emotionally and to deal with my old baggage. And we worked. Calm down, chickens. I'm trying to talk here. It's That's romance. Chicken. Chill out. Chickens are like, you preach it, brother. These oh, hens are going nuts. They love a love story. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, and I, and I, and by the, and I took her to, to Idaho where we are currently sitting right now in uh, Christmas of what was that? 2020. Yes. And yes. that was the first time she ever met my family. But unfortunately, at the time, she had just discovered that she had had cancer for a while, untreated, stage two lymphoma cancer. So she was out of it. She fainted and fell on her face in the kitchen floor. She could not enjoy herself or experience the place properly. She was constantly in a state of either being slightly distracted or fatigued and miserable. And um, I had it in my head that I would propose to her then, but it just wasn't the right time, not with the looming cancer diagnosis and the treatment regimen that she was going to be facing. So I thought, okay, don't be selfish. Let's just focus on the cancer and the engagement can come later. Sure enough, she beat the cancer like the stud that she is, and I figured she would. And then uh, I brought her back for round two. And why don't you go and show them the ring, babe? She we said yes. Are engaged. <laughs> and we are now officially engaged. Yes. 
a show founded on the idea of an interracial couple in love reaches its second season with an engagement. Yes. I love you so much. So I'm excited. I'm Ooh, super excited. Tell them what happened. Tell so, them how um, you did it and all that jazz. All right. So for those romantics out there, the way this went down was um, I had the ring. We're creating an urban conservative empire. Over right. Here. <laughs> I had the ring literally burning in my pocket for months. When? Tell them when because that's important. I mean, it, literally after my birthday in April 3rd. April 2020. And Wait, April 2020? 2021. 2021. So I've been sitting on this ring in this cute little box for months. And what I would do is, is every time I would go on a date with her, I would bring it with me, try to hide it in my pocket or in my bag or somewhere in my car. And I would just look for opportunities to give it to her, but it just never felt right. And, um, finally we got to come back here and we went on a bike ride. Well, let me back up for a second. I showed the ring to my parents. They said, great. How are you going to do it? And I said, I don't know. All I know is that I want it to be near the water and I want it to be on a really romantic date and I want her to be in a great mood. What a planner. And so <laughs> we <laughs> you play that ish. <laughs> and so we we went on a bike ride. We were along the uh, you know, the river there in Post Falls, uh, as it connects into the Coeur d'Alene Lake. It was really beautiful. It was a beautiful day. It was. Um, we went downtown, enjoyed some Italian food together at a place we really like, had a couple drinks, bought a bottle of wine, started heading back along the same trail. And uh, we had been vlogging with her uh, DSLR, her Sony, and, and taking pictures and such. And I said, you know, hey, there's a spot down there where my friends and I used to play a lot as kids. Uh, let's go down there and take some pictures for old time's sake. She's like, cool, that sounds good. You know, we rolled the bikes down onto the beach, got right out there, and she took a few pictures of me. I took a few pictures of her. And as she went to put her camera away, I kneeled down behind her, and I had the box ready. And when she turned around, <laughs> this is so Z, stop playing. And she starts walking away. <laughs> So she gets a good like 14, 15 feet of 15 feet away. And I literally go like this. I'm like, come back here. Got my finger pointing at the ground. I'm like, get back here. I'm not getting up. And she says, No, you're gonna make me cry. And I so I just pointed at the ground again. <laughs> so she slowly comes back. And, and I reach out my non-ring holding hand to hold her hand. And I give her my spiel and, and I don't, I didn't write this down or anything, but it was something along the lines of, I knew that you were the woman for me the moment I met you and that everything's just been a formality ever since. Uh, you've brought me closer to God. You've, you've made me a better man spiritually, emotionally, financially too. Uh, you've, you've given me something to shoot for. And I honestly believe that you were meant to be my partner in crime and all this. And, you know, we both tried to fight off the tears. And uh, I said, will you shared some smooches? Will you do me the honor of being my wife and being with me forever? And she said, yes. And uh, so we kind of had like a nice little endorphin high for the rest of that bike ride. Oh, man. I've never been so high in my life. <laughs> People clapped uh, that were nearby. People clapped and they were like, woohoo. And it was great. We FaceTimed my family, my all of my aunts, because yeah. there's a lot of them, mm -hmm. my mom, uh, his parents. And uh, my cousin, who's the bride, the uh, maid of honor. Mm -hmm. um, so it was it was good. It was good, and it was it was a really great day, and it's been a great vacation ever since. And, yeah. Um, so I think the moral of this story is that when you when you find your person, um, these this is specifically for um, for white people. When you find your person. <laughs> White people. White people. When you find your person, make sure they're chocolate. Uh, the reason is because they'll make your life better. 
<laughs> We've done an experiment. It's true. For those of you white people who decide that you like the chocolate and you decide you want to marry one and commit your life to them, be aware that once they say yes, they will ride around on a bicycle behind you singing um, at last at the top of their lungs in front of everybody. How in the name of God did you make that song sound like a country number? Because I'm white. My love has come along. Yes, she was serenading me all the way back to the car. She was so happy. Yeah, it was fun. It was good. I was I was very surprised. He got me. He got me. The last time we were here, he kept trying to take me to these like little romantic spots. We were it was in the dark. We were taking this like Christmas cruise <laughs> where they give like chocolatey alcoholic drinks and they take you over to like some lights and some fireworks. And then he was walking me all around in the snow. It was snowing and it was beautiful. And I was like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, he's going to ask. I just wasn't prepared. I mean, what was it like two weeks before that? I had found I found out that I was uh, I had lymphoma. Yeah. You know, it was the day before my 31st birthday that I found out I had lymphoma. And so it's just like, I can't take much more. And then I was meeting his family and I was so stinking nervous. And then I passed out in your mother's dining room floor and then I almost cried. And then I didn't have energy the entire time I was here. I felt like I was going to pass out. I didn't put on a good performance, guys. I just did it. She was adorable and charming despite that. But we could all tell she was suffering. And so everybody kind of treated her with kit gloves and just kind of let her be. Yeah, they were nice. But that wasn't what she wanted. She wanted to be her vivacious, energetic, crazy self. Yes. That's how she has been this visit. I naturally have to tone it down because white people are so quiet. I keep telling you, you don't have to tone it down. I feel like I do. They like it. I have to be quiet because they're quiet and I'll disturb their quiet. (laughs) I like that. Yes, it's true. You're misrepresenting my family to the audience. When I walk into the room, I'm like, hello. (laughs) Good morning. I will say one thing that was really funny. Um, my mom was playing like relaxing classical piano music on our TV through this through like a YouTube or something. And she does this throughout the day and just plays it at moderate volume. And so Z came in. And it's like, oh, that's nice. She's like, I wonder how she'd feel about some Motown. So she switches it to a Motown channel. A few minutes later, my mom comes down, picks up the remote and tries to furiously She's fix like, it. She's like, this thing just plays whatever it wants. <laughs> And I, I started and laughing. Didn't have the heart to say anything. I just was like, <laughs> and I walked out the room. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny. I was like, oh man. Oh, look at it. It's just doing whatever it wants. Hmm. Hmm, this is the thing. It's Motown. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but that's. Uh... That's our story. At that's least, story. like, in like really short detail, actually. Well, you know, what's. This entire trip has been, in in a way for me, it's like one giant date. Yeah. And it's been extremely romantic. It has. Even this emotionally charged, kind of angry ranting episode so far, I still am overwhelmed with gratitude and love for this woman sitting next to me. And I have been ever since we started this podcast because, one, it wouldn't be possible without her. And two she's the one who gives me the motivation to fight so hard. It's it's not just because I'm angry. It's because I want people like her to have a chance. I want them to be happy. I want them to be able to produce babies in the America that I grew up in. And I sure like as- people. <laughs> but what do you mean people like her? I mean, people who love this country, people who want freedom and, mm-hmm. liberty and who actually want to 
raise their children in what America is supposed to represent. Good save. Good save, she says. <laughs> you know what I like about you and I being all engaged and whatnot? It's like, you know what? There's all there's something to be there's we still have something to be thankful for. Of course. So even though we're living in freaking clown world of course, yes. with a schizophrenic slash dementia ridden uh, administration that are full of a bunch of cowards who got jobs they shouldn't have. What? It's like, about? exactly. It's like, you know what? We still have something that we can be grateful for. We can look at our family. We can look at the meals. That, oh, first of all, we went to this great um, British pub that had great shepherd's pie. And I'm a I'm a sucker for shepherd's pie. It's just like little things we should, we should still be thankful for and be happy for. And, and I mean, this is a big thing. This is big. I've never been engaged before. This is big, but it's still like, you know what? I still have something to be thankful for. And I'm living in a country that's free enough where you and I can, can plan a life together and we have some fighting to do, but we can, we can do that. You know, if nothing else, it just strengthens my resolve because I was already angry and wanted to fight before. But now that I know I have a future family on the line, it's only made, it's only magnified and intensified my purpose. And so one of the things I wanted to discuss on the show was, outside of how romantic and all this is, what does that mean for the show and for us moving forward now that we're a committed couple as opposed to simply two people in love? I think that we can make out on camera. Um, Ooh, that's good. I think that is appropriate. Um, actually, I think Raheem, we, me and Raheem talked about it. We're going to set up a, a cash app for those who want to see that. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a, it's like a special fund. It's it's uh, just me and you know <clears throat> him. If you like, if you like to see <laughs> chocolate and vanilla melting into one another, maybe that. It's not going to get gross. It's not going to get, you know, any more than that, but still. No, no, you got to be artsy about it. It's still got to be high quality content. Mm -hmm. we're, we're conservatives. We're traditionalists. So uh, if you want to see that, uh, go to www.vanillanchocolatemelting.com. <laughs> Please don't go to that URL. I have no idea what will happen if you do. <laughs> it could be really bad. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know. I don't know what will be different. I think it'll be just the same, but. Uh, what I don't know. What it means is, is that this isn't going to end. Right. Okay. Well, this is a commitment. Mm -hmm. You know, before it could be like, oh man, I hope those two really work out because it's going to get real uh, weird. You on know that what? I didn't think about it. From, I didn't think about it from their <laughs> point of view. I thought about it from ours. You're yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the whole basis of this show is you and I being a thing. You know, what was it going to be like you and I break up and then we just sit next to each other like this and just talk about politics and we kind of awkwardly like. Joe Biden reminds me of my ex-man. Yeah. Kind of old and lanky. <laughs> exactly. Lots to say, but don't ever say nothing. Lots of passive aggressive BS on camera. You that remember the my ex-boyfriend, Scott? Deeply uncomfortable. <laughs> he dumped me and left me with the check. What do you mean? I think I dumped him. So you wish. <laughs> I think I would be the one that would dump. You wish. <laughs> I would be the dumper. <laughs> you would be the dumpy. <laughs> well, since it's hypothetical, we can't prove it now, can we? <laughs> Ooh, I like that. Chanilla. Can that be our couple name? Chanilla. What? We need a couple name. We don't have one. Because Scott and Zynga, I thought of Skinga. Oh, my gosh. Skinga sounds like a disease. Zot. That sounds like a bad character from a sci-fi movie. Chanilla it is. Chanilla it is. Thank you, Adul Ali. <laughs> Anyhow. Listen, listen, folks. Um, what this means is, is that the Two Americas show will continue. Yes. And it's only going to intensify. Because yes. these two are now sealed in an agreement. 
and we have the ring to prove it. That's all that means. Yes. And uh, Chonilla. Chonilla. What I think is so cool about this is that we've had people who have shared this journey with us more or less since the beginning. I mean, we, you know, just kind of started throwing things up on YouTube and ranting at the camera because of how furious we were. You know? Yeah. We had our first episode was, what was it? Um, uh, table, when is the church, something like the church and table flipping mode, like yeah, Jesus like, what, did. Like, like what is the church and politics and like when is table flipping time, right? And we were basically saying now, and that was back in 2019, I believe. Oh, come now, come now, Mecca or something. <laughs> Wakanda forever, Chanilla. <laughs> Chanilla. <laughs> is that a reference to the fact that I have no hair? <laughs> Ooh, inadvertent burn. Cold blooded. <laughs> oh. Folks, she just had cancer. That's insensitive. It's not funny. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Okay, please continue, darling. I don't even lost. I lost track of what I was saying. Was we so just funny. started putting stuff on YouTube. Oh, we and... just started putting things on YouTube because we just couldn't bear the silence. We could. We had to say something. We're both too hot blooded. Yeah. And you know, a few episodes in, um, we put out a viral episode, which was just kind of a throwaway with a single mic about an interracial couple asking each other awkward questions. Got like ten thousand views and a zillion shares. And um, you know, we had these forward-thinking folks um, from the Urban Conservative pick up our show, and now you have Zynga's beaten cancer, and all these things have happened, and politics have gotten only more intense and so bizarre, and we have uh, we have a show that's behind a paywall. You know, This goes way, it exceeds way anything that we could have dreamed of. Like, we never expected to make money off this. We weren't trying to ride some kind of wave of, oh, look, if we take a black person and put them in the Republican taco sphere suddenly we'll get rich kind of mentality that some folks had like we were doing this because we passionately believe these things and because even if we could get us get like 10 just 10 people to listen to us and do something it would have been meaningful for us yep and this is so far beyond our wildest expectations just as it is as modest as it is now and it's growing like crazy that we just have nothing but gratitude in our hearts for. And the fact that she and I have been able to get closer and closer as a result of this is incredibly romantic to me. And you know what else? It's kind of been funny and cool for our relationship too, because it's forced us to work together on a consistent basis. Like when we had our, uh, our uh, YouTube, just you and I on on our own YouTube channel, we, um, we were just like just doing it sporadically and yeah. now it's like we have to do it every week because we have two people to answer to if we don't. <laughs> do I have a boss? And then it's like, well, I think the microphone's loud enough. I don't think it is loud enough. I think that we should get this microphone. I think that we should be here. What are you talking about? I don't understand. You need to be on time. It's not okay to be on color people time with how, a show. How many graphics are you going to choose, Scott? <laughs> Where's my show map? I need my show map. Scott, if you're going to be all pissy, let me know so I can match the tone, which I didn't get an alert tonight. <laughs> I'm up here like, yeah, this is going to be a drunken fun time. Then I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you, Raheem, for plugging us there. Oh, yes. For those thank of you who can see the screen. But uh, this has been an amazing ride. And just getting to this point has been a dream come true for it me. It really has. So we, we've got a lot of planning to do, which is not my forte. <laughs> Neither one of us are big planners. <sighs> so it's going to be interesting. All of my girlfriends back in North Carolina are like, can't wait to plan. I'm like. <laughs> right. 
So, uh, oh, a few things that we need to plug. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, if you haven't seen the Red Cup special, it came out this past Wednesday, right? Absolutely. This past Absolutely. Wednesday. Um, go check that out on uh, the Urban Conservative YouTube channel. It's really funny. Now, this that's the only episode you're going to get, like, fully. Um, so the rest of the time, it's going to be, like, you, you only see half of the episode, and the rest of it will be audio. So you have to get behind the paywall if you want to see the entire thing. The Red Cup special is pretty much where all of these, the Urban Conservative talk show hosts get together. We drink a little bit. A lot of bit. And then we talk about different, uh, you know, topics and stuff like that. And it, it gets real funny. Raheem is like a little editing com- comedian genius. So if you want to see that and you just want a good laugh, like we talk about politics a little bit, but it's not really. It's just it's just a fun time, like for a whole hour. So if you're like washing the dishes, you're by yourself, you're in the car, you're driving somewhere, you have an hour. Check that ish out because it's hilarious. It'll be on the last Friday of every month. Yes. And... It's hilarious because it's a pre-recorded episode. <laughs> our bosses include some pretty hilarious edits and are able to trim it down for time. So it's a very concise, very hilarious format. I, I, I can't, you know what? Just have a couple of drinks and watch it for yourself and decide. But it's hysterical. It is funny. Um, one more thing that we have to plug. Yes, um, uh, we have a uh, special guest speaker appearing on one of our sister shows here on the Urban Conservative Podcast. We're going to have a live interview with Rayla Campbell that's going to be a candidate for Massachusetts Lieutenant Governor's position. That's going to be live on Facebook and YouTube at the Urban Conservative Tuesday, September 7th at 8 p.m. sharp. So Eastern Standard that's this Time. coming Tuesday? This coming Tuesday, September 7th at 8 p.m. Rayla Campbell, candidate for Massachusetts Lieutenant Governor, will be interviewed by the urban conservative and this is what's great about the paywall folks you get ten dollars a year it's freaking pennies it's not even pennies it's like half quarters of pennies tenths of pennies a day mm-hmm. if you spread it out over a year to get behind the paywall to support the towers that we're talking about building to get people like us a little bit of a boost to just keep going to make sure that you can see stuff like the urban conservative or stuff like david hensley's show or clarence henderson all the other great lineups on the Urban Conservative Network. With all due respect, that's another show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, in the merchandise we got coming out, it's going to be part of that. So you know, tune in, contribute, become a member of the Urban Conservative family, and just help content like ours continue to grow and push forward and continue fighting. And make sure you support Janilla. Uh, we really need your support, <laughs> Chanilla. We sound like a like a small marsupial, like a furry marsupial. Okay, what about Chonilla? <laughs> Sounds like a chinchilla. Oh, I keep can you just choose? Don't be so picky. Just choose one. It's gonna stick. <laughs> I'm going with Chonilla, but it's funny. Out Chonilla in the hands. <laughs> we have to say that now at the beginning of every show. Welcome to Two Americas with Chanilla. <laughs> chinilla Harris, our first mixed baby daughter. <laughs> Listen, folks, you know, you can help us out a lot because our bosses watch these interactions. And if you could comment some pretty hilarious ideas in the comment section, you might inadvertently create like a T-shirt or a sticker idea or like a branding opportunity. So, I mean, like this person said the Chonilla thing, uh, you know, like that that could actually become a thing. So, listen, you, you want your ideas to spread and you want the pride being like, hey, they're wearing my thing. Just keep keep typing away. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, i've got nothing else to say darling you know i think it's about time to wrap this up yeah i think we'll just give them a final plug and say goodbye listen thank you all for so much uh for tuning in um 
the world's a crazy place. It is. And you have to find structure and you have to find order and you have to find something meaningful in that despite the tears and the savagery and the insanity of clown world. Um, luckily Z keeps me anchored in all of this. She keeps me, she brings me closer to God. She makes me a better man. And if it wasn't for her, this show wouldn't even exist. So I'm extremely grateful to her. I'm extremely grateful to people like Adul and Raheem for giving us a chance and for giving us a place to say our piece. Yeah. And no, uh, we really appreciate it. This and, is like more than we ever thought we'd you know, ever get. Yeah, and, and, we, and we love all of you for tuning in, for taking the time out of your day, out of your evening in the middle of the week to listen to me rant and listen to her be charming. And uh, it means a lot to all of us. And we just hope that it leads to something. It leads to some kind of action or some kind of improvement in your individual lives. Um, but, you know, again, if you want to get the full content, you got to go where? TUConservative.com. Yep, $10 a year behind the paywall. Get all of our content. Red Cup Special, Hensley, Clarence Henderson, Adul and Rahim. And all the other podcasts and all the new content that is coming in the future, as well as unique blogs, merchandise, and other contributions. So please contribute to the fight. This is how we grow. This is how we build those towers that allow us to compete with the left and their establishment. And this is what helps us spread the word. Thank you, guys. We love you. We love you all. Thank you for tuning in. We will see you next week. On to vacation mode. Chanilla out. <laughs>